Today from the Global Lane, war escalation in Ukraine, another drone strike in Moscow, a World Heritage Cathedral is destroyed in Odessa. Why is no one talking peace? Zelensky comes out and says, I won't give an inch of ground to the Russians. Well, that's ridiculous. They're not going to get busted out of Crimea. Safety at risk. Loudoun County, Virginia schools prepare gender-neutral bathrooms. In some cases, there are 13 and 14-year-old girls who would be sharing bathrooms with 18, 19, and perhaps even 20-year-old men. He grieved for months after losing his wife to cancer. His doctor recommended shock therapy. When I was like, I just missed my wife. She was in my life for 30 years, and I, I have deep love for her. Why would I need... This radical psychiatric electro-brain shock therapy. How Mike Napa turned to God to grieve well. And another presidential impeachment may be coming sooner than you think. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Another drone strike hit Moscow. This time, two non-residential office buildings were attacked. The Russian government blamed Ukraine. Meanwhile, people in Odessa removed rubble from a Russian bombing of the historic Transfiguration Cathedral. The church is more than 200 years old. It's a World Heritage Site. Residential buildings were also hit in the latest Russian attack. Well, joining us with more is former Florida Congressman, former U.S. Ambassador to the Vatican, Francis Rooney. Ambassador Rooney, it's good to talk with you again. So what do you make of this second drone attack in Moscow and also the Russian bombing of a World Heritage Site, a cathedral in Odessa? Well, I think that they're going to be indiscriminate about what they hit. They don't care if it's a historical building or not. Look at the uh, Serbs that blew up the Mostar Bridge in Bosnia. I mean, I think we're fighting a war of attrition here, and it's going to depend on who just gets exhausted first. Well, it seems like the start of an escalation in this war that is now 17 months old, and the U.S. has provided Ukraine with Bradley fighting vehicles, cluster bombs, other advanced weaponry, and is that arming of Ukraine adding to the escalation and prolonging the war? It doesn't seem like it, any end is in sight right now. It's definitely prolonging the war. I mean, Zelensky couldn't fight his way out of wet paper bag without uh, the armaments were given him. They're good fighters, but they've got to have the weaponry to, to, to survive. So what do we do? Uh, keep well, arming them it, and keep escalating? If it were me, and it's not, I would uh, get Germany and France, maybe England or whoever else wants to join in, everybody I could get to, to, to jointly call on Zelensky to offer the deal of Russia gets out of Donbass, but they keep Crimea and get it over with and move on. Well, why is this not happening? I know last week the president signed an executive order sending 3,000 additional troops to the European theater to support NATO. Uh, and their defenses now, there. Is that an escalation? What do you make of that move? That doesn't sound I like think, peace to me. I think it's definitely an escalation. It's also a mistake. We ought to be talking how to get out of this thing. And no one seems to want to talk about that. Zelensky comes out and says, I won't give an inch of ground to the Russians. Well, that's ridiculous. They're not going to get busted out of Crimea. And, and the money keeps flowing. Uh, I, yeah. think, I think Americans believe the Biden administration just isn't doing enough to try to end this thing and get both sides to enter into peace talks. So why no effort there? Is regime change the goal rather than peace? Well, it's, it, it's highly unusual that there has been fighting for so long and no overt efforts at a serious peace discussion. I mean, that didn't happen even in Vietnam or North Korea with North Korea. Didn't happen uh, even in World War II. It didn't happen. I mean, but there has been nothing. One little suggestion from President Macron a long time ago, and that's it. And it's going to have to be led by the U.S. and the large European countries to tell Zelensky no more 
weaponry, no more support, no NATO, no EU, no nothing. If you don't uh, offer the Russians a, a, a trade, which is going to be reasonably acceptable to them. Why aren't the Europeans more involved then in trying to uh, negotiate a peace here? It's a good question. I mean, I know that uh, everybody's really impressed with the, the Ukrainians' ability to fight and to push Russia back, and that nobody likes Putin and likes the aggression that he brought on the world and would like to see Russia cut back. But somehow or another, you just can't keep doing this forever. Well, what are you hearing from most Americans? Because those I talk to say, look, we can't allow you know Putin just to take over another country. But on the other hand, we're sending billions of dollars over to Ukraine with little accountability. This is absolutely true. And a lot more and more every day, more people become reluctant to stay in the Ukraine fight. And it's going to get real political here once the debates start. Well, I think there's already a political development that may be influencing this. And I've got to ask you about it. Recent allegations coming from Republicans on Capitol Hill, about $10 million allegedly, I must stress, uh, paid to Joe and Hunter Biden by Burisma founder Mikola Zlochevsky. And if true, how might that influence uh, Biden's Ukraine war decisions? Your thoughts on that? Well, I would think it makes Biden uh, have more of an imperative to do something. I mean, look, the Ukrainians were horribly corrupt long before this war started. That's why Trump didn't send them the javelin missiles for a couple of years, because we wanted to clean up their corruption. And uh, it took Hunter Biden to take their corruption to an all-new high level. Well, what about the president? Do you think he's complicit? Well, I think he's been awful close to his son. I think there's some tapes where they're talking about, quote, the big man, the big man cut in and all that. And so, yeah, I think he is complicit. I, I, I think the guy has been a total failure in all respects. Well, he's caved to the radical left, and he's... Uh, supported his corrupt son. Well, uh, might that affect our policy then in Ukraine, if he is corrupt? Yeah, it might. It, it, it might uh, make him less likely to be a tough on Zelensky since the Ukrainians have paid his son so much money. You know, I've been on many corporate boards, big companies, multi-billion dollar companies, and I never got more than a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in board fees. For them to pay Hunter Biden Burisma to pay Hunter Biden over $600,000 when he doesn't even know anything about the oil business is outright bribery. Yeah, we saw that in the memo, the FBI memo, uh, basically, that said uh, they felt that he didn't know anything. So, Mr. Ambassador, what do we do about all this? What do we do about these allegations? Do we get a special counsel? What do we do? Uh, that would probably be helpful. But as we know, unfortunately, the newly weaponized and politicized FBI and Department of Justice which is unique to American experience, by the way, um, on either by either party, has uh, has has undermined and resisted investigating Biden the way that they should. They even called. They even you know one of these uh, media people, I think it was, or one of one of the investigators called the people that had the laptop, and it inhibited them from getting a lot of evidence that they should have gotten. That's pretty much insidious, I think. Okay, congressional investigations continue. Former congressman and former ambassador to the Vatican, Francis Rooney, thank you for providing your time and insights. We appreciate it. Good talking to you again. Good talking to you. Thank you very much. What will $11 million buy you? In Loudoun County, Virginia, it's buying gender-neutral bathrooms in two high schools this fall. That's right. Sex-specific bathrooms are a thing of the past for some high schoolers in Loudoun County. Our next guest says parents should be alarmed. 
Juliana Sweeney is a Young Voices commentator and a Loudoun County teacher. Okay, Juliana, why should parents be alarmed about these gender-neutral bathrooms? Well, you said it very well. This is not only an expensive problem at $11 million, but this is also a problem of privacy and the principle in and of itself. So let's talk a little bit about the price. So Loudoun County is known for being a wealthy county for sure, but there are only two bathroom facilities that are being renovated. Uh, there are about 16 high schools, not to mention the dozens of middle schools and elementary schools that would also be renovated if they follow through with the pilot program. Uh, and so this would be a multi-million dollar project across the county. And then second and most importantly, uh, two most importantly things is first the privacy issue. So the bathrooms are a floor to ceiling stall instead of partition stalls. Uh, and so there is supposedly complete privacy in gender neutral spaces. Now, that being said, LCPS and the D.C. metro area in general already has problems with uh, drug abuse and sexual abuse occurring in bathrooms. And so there is a concern with this supposed privacy that the problems would be exasperated. And then finally is the principle in and of itself. We continue to get rid of women's spaces at the expense of their safety. Uh, in some cases, there are 13 and 14-year-old girls who would be sharing bathrooms with 18, 19, and perhaps even 20-year-old men. And so this is at a steep cost, not only the price, but also for the student's safety. How about gyms and locker rooms, Juliana? The same policy there? Yeah, it looks like the, the high schools are also eventually going to implement the same policies with the locker rooms. That being said, we do have a great governor in Virginia who is looking out for parental rights and also the privacy rights for girls, but I do worry that the policies will continue to be implemented in the locker rooms and other spaces as well. And, and I must remind our viewers, this is the school district that was accused of covering up the sexual assault of two girls by the same male student at two separate Loudoun County high schools. And the father of one of those victims was arrested for disorderly conduct at a county school board meeting. Remember that one. So, Juliana, didn't the school district want to make a fresh start they have hired the former superintendent of schools here in Virginia Beach, Dr. Aaron Spence, and he's starting his new job as superintendent of Loudoun County Schools next month. So what difference do you expect he'll make on this? You know, it's hard to say because the head of schools have not spoken out on this issue. They've just continued to say we are going to follow through with this policy, uh, even though parents are speaking out against the bathroom policies and the construction of the high schools. But we're not sure what it's going to look like after the school year. So the pilot program is being constructed in those two high schools, as you mentioned, and will open, it looks like, in the fall or the winter. And the county continues to say that they're going to follow through with their plans. So it's full steam ahead. So what should be done then? Might more parents risk being labeled terrorists for expressing their concerns at school board meetings? I do think that's part of it. The parents need to be willing to go to the school board meetings to meet with the governor, to meet with teachers and administrators and make their voices known. But even more than that, I'm advocating for parents to consider alternatives, to consider Christian schools. Um, there's a brand new Christian school opening up in Loudoun County this year. That's K-8. And so these options continue to open up to be the alternative to the public school system. And as we take students out of the public schools, hopefully 
they will be trained under the values of Christian schools, and they will be kept safe in a way that is just not possible in the public schools. I think mo most uh, parents would just say, have a separate bathroom for transgender students. If you have that many in the school, just have one for them. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And the funny thing is, is they already have separate spaces for transgender students, but that has also come at the expense of staff and teachers not having their own separate bathrooms or not as many separate bathrooms. Um, and so it seems that they are kneeling to the transgender students, the minority, at least for now, a small minority, um, again, at the expense of student safety. Okay, we'll see where all this leads. Loudoun County School, Virginia school teacher, Young Voices commentator, Juliana Sweeney. Thank you, Juliana, for sharing your insights. We appreciate it. Thank you. After the loss of a loved one, days after the funeral, mourning and grief often kick in. And sometimes it leads to long-term depression and feelings of loneliness and helplessness. So how do we get over it? Well, our next guest says instead of trying to shorten our period of grief, we should focus on grieving well. Here with us is Christian writer, author Mike Napa. His latest book is Reflections on the Grieving Soul. Mike, your personal experience inspired you to write this book. So tell us what happened to you after you lost your wife to cancer seven years ago. Yeah, so my wife uh, passed away in 2016 uh, after about a 13-month battle with cancer. And what I found happened was there was about two weeks between her death and the funeral. And in those two weeks, I was just surrounded by this great cloud of support and comfort and friends and family and people who gathered around me to build me up and, and try to help me. Uh, and that was wonderful. Uh, and then we had the funeral and the funeral was beautiful. And uh, about 400 people showed up to just, again, support and love on me. And then the funeral ended and all those people went away. Uh, they went back to their regular lives, they, which was right, which was good for them. But I found that I was left mostly on my own uh, to try to deal with this, this enormous loss, this woman who'd been in my life for 30 years uh, and suddenly was gone. And so um, as I was working through that, I, I um, got to the point where I was just so overwhelmed. I went on Facebook and I said to my friends, hey, I, I'm really struggling. Uh, right now. And what I need is I need promises from God. I need scripture. So I asked my friends to send me scriptures that they used uh, to, to when they were facing difficult times and trouble, trouble. And they did. They sent me many, many scriptures. And I pulled some scriptures from my wife's journals. And I had some of my own. And I had ended up with over a hundred scriptures. And I took all those scriptures and I, I cut them out on little slips of paper and I pasted them to um, three by five cards. And I decided I was going to read one scripture every day for 100 days. Uh, and I'd read it four or five times a day. I'd read it when I got up in the morning. I'd read it uh, when I was weeping during the day. I'd read it at night before I went to bed. And so I took those scriptures at one point, and, and those became the basis for uh, this book, Reflections for the Grieving Soul. So, Mike, how do, how do we then grieve well? Well, see, I think the first thing that we have to deal with is the idea that grief is something we have to get over or we have to is the grief is some kind of illness we have to cure. I remember I went to the doctor about three years after my wife passed away. And at this point, they have to ask you those questions about your emotional health and all this stuff. And she was asking me those questions. And I said at one point, well, I still feel sad because I, I miss my wife who passed away three years ago. And she said, oh, well, what you need to do is have uh, 
brain electroshock therapy uh, to get that out of you. You need to you need to right. get some radical treatment so that you don't uh, miss your wife anymore. And I was like, I just missed my wife. She was in my life for 30 years, and I, I have deep love for her. Why would I need this radical psychiatric electro brain shock therapy? Uh, and it struck me, I'm like, this this woman is so afraid of um, grief that she has to eradicate it from her life. Well, that's just not the way it works. Grief is actually a positive emotion. Grief tells us that we have love. Uh, and if we love deeply, then we're going to grieve deeply. And if we love for a long time, we're going to grieve for a long time. I don't think you're ever going to get over grief. Um, you will get back to your normal life. You will get back to doing the things that you used to do and moving on with your daily life. But you never have to get over losing a loved one. What we need to do then instead of trying to fix ourselves and get over grief and suppress it and move move it away, is we need to learn how to grieve well. We need to learn so to, to take that grief and turn it into something that brings out positive result. And there are you know, many positive results from grief uh, that we have, that we can do. And so what we have to do is accept the fact that we are grieving and accept that it's gonna be a long-term thing and then take that and and, take the benefit of that, take the benefit of that that we get from it. And for many children and adults who suffer loss, hopelessness, despair set in, that often leads to thoughts of suicide. So what do we do to help them get out of that? When Christ came and took Amy's hand and took her into eternity, he didn't stop and say, oh crap, I forgot to take Mike, right? So the idea that our life must end because another person's life must then really it really erases the idea that God is control of our life to begin with. Um, Bible tells us, scripture tells us that it's in Christ in whom we live and breathe and have our being. And that means that Christ uh, owns the life that we possess. And so if we are still here, if there is breath in my body, it's his breath in my body. And he doesn't do that by accident. So if you're still here, this is not an accident in your life. This is not something that, um, God is surprised by. We also, you know, we don't want to take one tragedy and add a second tragedy to that. If we love anyone, uh, the idea of taking ourselves away from those other people who are still living is a problem. Uh, but really, ideally, the thing we need to remember is your life is Christ's life. Uh, it is him who is working in you. It is he who is doing in you the, the work that he intends. And if he hasn't finished with you, let him finish the work. And, and you know what? He gave you someone in your life at one point that brought you great joy. Now, why would you think that he would not be able to do that again? Or why would you think he would not be able to return joy in your life because you're feeling this sorrow now? If we grieve well, we understand that Christ is with us in our grieving. And therefore, we can't just erase that by, by taking our own life. Okay, it's experiencing his joy and keeping our eyes on him. Okay, the book is Reflections on the Grieving Soul. Mike Napa, thanks for setting us straight today. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening, having me on the show. Remember how Donald Trump was impeached over a controversial phone call he made with incoming Ukrainian President Zelensky? Democrats said it was a quid pro quo Trump threatened to withhold aid to Ukraine unless the Ukrainians reopened an investigation of Burisma and Hunter Biden. But Zelensky didn't see it that way. We had, uh, I think, good uh, phone call. It was normal. We spoke about many things. And I, so, so 
I think, and you read it, that nobody pushed it. Pushed me. Yes. In other words, no pressure. Republicans say the real quid pro quo came from Joe Biden when in 2015, as vice president, he threatened to deny the Ukrainians aid unless they fired the prosecutor investigating Burisma and Hunter Biden. Here's Biden bragging about it three years ago at a Council on Foreign Relations symposium. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. So fire the prosecutor investigating Joe Biden's son and Burisma, or you don't get a billion dollars in military aid. Well, three years ago, Joe Biden was asked about his son Hunter's business dealings in Ukraine. He said he didn't know what Hunter was doing for Burisma, and then he said this. You know there's not one single bit of evidence, not one little tiny bit, to suggest anything done was wrong. You know that. But, Mr. President, congressional Republicans have found plenty of evidence alleging bribery that influenced U.S. policy. They have bank records, whistleblower testimonies, and this, an FBI FD-1023. It's an unclassified document of reports from a confidential human source. In it, the source alleges that Burisma founder Miloka Slochevsky told him he had paid the Bidens to deal with Viktor Shokin, the prosecutor investigating criminal allegations against Burisma, and, quote, it costs $5 million to pay one Biden, $5 million to another. Congressional Republicans say the payments were made to Hunter and Joe Biden. $5 million to Hunter, $5 million to the big guy. And poof, Ukraine gets $1 billion in military aid. The man investigating Burisma gets fired. Folks, there's much more to come. An impeachment investigation may likely begin before year end. And debate in the House and a possible trial in the Senate may likely occur right around the same time that Donald Trump goes to trial next May for keeping classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago home. So strap yourselves in. A rough ride is in store for this presidential campaign season, and it's beginning right now. May God be with our nation as we endure this, and in all of it, may his will be done. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channels, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.